1904, and joining us now, our good friend from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, Mr. Al Bat. Hey, Al, how are you doing over there? I'm doing great, Karen. Hi, everybody. I was up uh, northern Minnesota in the nice weather and everything, so I'm back at home and happy to be home. Always happy to be home. It's fun to go places, but it's it's a joy to come home, so this is hey, a Al- great place. I wanted to ask you, did you were you travel a lot and I saw on the, the internet there was a picture going around of a yellow cardinal. Now is this a real thing or is it a fluke? Is it a, f- a fake? But um, I saw it and it's just the most beautiful thing, just like a red cardinal except it's all yellow. Is that a real thing or did somebody it, just it color it? It is indeed. Wow. Yeah, this one was seen in Alabama and uh, oh, maybe a year, year and a half ago I was in, a year ago I was in Kentucky and they were showing me photos of two of them wow. that were seen in Kentucky in oh, 2011, maybe, something like that, a few years ago, anyway. So it's a very rare thing, but, you know, because everybody is armed with a camera now, yeah. we're seeing a few more of them. <clears throat> and the things we're not seeing are UFOs. I thought when everybody had a camera, we'd be seeing way more UFOs than yellow cardinals, but uh, apparently it's turned out the other way. Is that a but thing like leukism when, you know, they turn into albino birds, or what causes that? Because that seems like an extreme from bright red to bright yellow, and they're just beautiful. And it'd be more than uh, cardinals do get part of their colors from what they eat. Oh. But in this case, I think it it would have to be a genetic mutation to get that. Uh, perfect of a color. It's just an incredibly beautiful bird. So I'm assuming it's a genetic mutation that makes it this color. Uh, but wow, what a. There'd be one if you look out your window and you saw that, you'd say, I'm not really seeing that because <laughs> there is no bird like that. That's a cardinal, I know, but cardinals are not that color. So I'm just going to look away. And then look back and see if it's still there. It's just kind of where you pinch yourself to be sure you're not dreaming. Are there any other birds that have profoundly changed their color or look like that cardinal that's been going around on the Internet? Um, boy, not nothing that comes uh, okay. running into my mind. We do see around here, we'll see a little bit of different colors in some of our birds. Uh, primarily, I see it in house finches. Yes. So they will run from a reddish color to an orangish color to a yellowish color. And that is primarily because of what they're eating that will change their plumage. But, boy, other than that, I can't think of other than... Um, the normal variance in colors of birds, because some of them do have a, a variance in, in their colors, but nothing like this cardinal comes to mind. No, but what a neat thing. It's just a, a neat thing to see. You know, just when you get mad at all the digital devices, uh, something like this comes along and just you say, wow, this is cool, and then you're you're stuck on them for another two years after that. So, um Boy, the weather, what a beautiful day here. Oh, my goodness. It's just, you know, and the weather here is the same every day unless you go outside. So I, I went outside this morning, and it was, what a lovely day. I had stayed on the weekend up in uh, the farm by the lake. It's a retreat center in Bagley, Minnesota. And it was the same thing up there. I got ran over by a couple of deer, one very, very small one. It was born uh, quite late, I would assume. 
and uh, looking at all the pine grosbeaks beaks and that's my magpies and uh, ravens and all those incredible birds that we don't uh, we don't see down here and the goldfinches here are singing today and a cardinal i heard him doing that what cheer what 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 a uh, black-capped chickadee flew into the feeder and grabbed a sunflower seed and left. And this tiny bird traveled on rapid wing beats. And uh, I remember looking it up years ago, and there's they, about 27 wing beats per second. You know, try flapping your arms like that, <laughs> 27 of them per second. And I heard another chickadee call, and he sounded closer than he was because he's a feathered ventriloquist. I swear chickadees can throw their voice. It's an amazing thing. But a much larger bird moved away from me quickly, and it was a wild turkey, and it can run up to 25 miles an hour and make short flights up to 55 miles an hour. In Ferris Bueller's day off... Ferris Bueller said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And that certainly applies to appreciating the charms of nature that are right at hand, just out our window in our yard at our nearby park. Ron Jensen of Albert Lee said he had spring on his mind. He said, Al, did you know the prairie rose is a state flower of... And I said, North Dakota? And he said, you got it, because I spend a lot of time in North Dakota, Ron, so I knew that one. You know, he could ask me any other question. He would have stumped me, but that one I had. It is a beautiful flower, and then he asked about, he said, in the summertime, I in oh, early summer, in the late summer, he sees beautiful flowers growing everywhere, and he was wondering if they were all flocks. P-H-L-O-X. Um, no, there's an introduced European species, but a much, it's a real pretty one. And it, at certain times of the year, it's evidenced all over the place, and it's called Dame's Rocket. And it will flower in shades of purple, pink, and white. And they will line roadsides and wooded edges uh, anywhere their seeds can germinate. And, and I understand they are considered an invasive species now as well, because I was reading about them and looking at things to plant along the, my lake shore, and, and it was one that I believe now they say is an invasive, so it's not necessarily a good thing. It's pretty, though. That's exactly that's exactly right, and it's on a lot of, uh, oh, I think they call it a do-not-plant list in yes. a lot of states. But it's still, I bet it's still found in a lot of wildflower mixes. So I'm guessing you can probably still plant it whether you mean to or not. And a lot of people will grow it and assume that it's a wild flock. That's what I thought it was for the longest time until you corrected me. <laughs> It's yeah. It's it's a beautiful plant. It's it's tough. It just grows. Um, flocks will usually bloom later in the summer. But if you look at the flowers, folks, when they're up this summer, Dame's Rocket flowers have four petals, and a flocks will have five. So if you think of flocks, P H L O X, five letters, they'll have five petals. And uh, Dame's rocket leaves their position alternately along its stems uh, where flocks are opposite. So it's, uh, they're beautiful plants, but uh, maybe we have too many of them. I don't know. Uh, Steve Hudek. Uh, Steve lives in Onalaska, Wisconsin now, but he, was, uh, he told me he was over 
in Reno Bottoms. By it's in Houston County, and they have these uh, great stands of swamp white oaks. And he found two separate flocks of red-headed woodpeckers overwintering there. And he said there were at least 17 individuals, including juveniles. Most are territorial and stay close to roost cavities or perch atop snags. And the chatter amongst the birds was quite thrilling. The last birds to overwinter at these sites was in the fall and winter of 2013 and 14. And he said when mast was equally abundant as it is this year. So they are eating acorns. He also saw a, well, he said on a side note, brown creepers were attached to every tree in November, but none could be found there now. It was mostly a red-headed woodpecker day, but he did see the first sandhill cranes of the year. There was a pair walking on the ice, and he said geese have arrived in considerable numbers today. So, again, oh, springs just, it's, we can almost see it from here, right around that corner. Roger Davidson sent me an interesting article from the Star Tribune. It said the Twins' third base coach has his own great American pastime. Birding Twins' third base coach Gene Glenn watches for signals from his manager and the occasional bird. Oh. <laughs> so Gino's a, a good guy. I, he's from Wasika. I, I played ball with Gene. It turned out, I didn't know it at the time, but I actually broke my shoulder while playing basketball with him on the same team. It was one of those games where anybody's played basketball, things worked so well in the first half, everything I threw up went in, and I got every rebound. In the second half, I got every rebound, but I couldn't make a basket because I couldn't get my one hand up high enough because uh, I had a the fellow I was playing against was about 300 pounds, and he came down and elbow right on my shoulder and took care of it. And, of course, I didn't know it. And we had six players, so I just kept playing like a dummy. Now I'd whine and flop around on the floor, and i say, yeah, they call oh, yeah. the ambulance. So. <laughs> but uh, that was playing with Gino, and Gino was the first Mr. Basketball in the state of Minnesota. So he's a good guy. Uh, Rita Granson of Mason City said, uh, people have been telling me they've seen a robin or two around town. I finally had one in my backyard yesterday with all the snow. A small flock of greater white-fronted geese are in the small aerated area of a small lake in town today. We've had odds and ends of ducks this last week or so with a pair of black ducks staying around the river by the water treatment plant all winter. And the eagles are on their nest here also. Uh, Kelly Larson of Bagley sent me some photos to see if uh, her brother had sent them to her uh, to see if I could identify them, and they were uh, cell phone photos, so they were a little difficult to identify, but one looked like a semi-palmated plover. Uh, they weren't seeing them now. These were from uh, early last year. Uh, semi-palmated looks sort of like a junior killdeer, and the other one was a red knot. Uh, DNR, they have uh, an eagle cam, and the nest had its first and second eggs on Monday, February 19th, during a cozy ice storm here in Minnesota. The beloved mother at the eagle cam laid her first egg. The excitement came at about 1.15 in the afternoon. The second egg came on Thursday, February 22nd. The female has been known to lay three eggs every year since 2013. Based on her past egg-laying schedule, 
another egg arrive this should arrive this weekend. Uh, snow and cold temperatures have caused concern among the viewers, but uh, the DNR said we want to alleviate your fears with some facts. Embryos are less sensitive to cold than they are to heat, particularly before incubation has started. Mallard eggs have been known to crack by freezing and still hatch successfully. Eggs will cool when incubation is interrupted, but this is not usually harmful. And few birds incubate continuously. Instead, egg temperature is regulated in response to changes in the temperature of the environment by varying the length of time that a parent bird sits on them or the tightness of the sit. So many birds apparently sense the egg temperatures with receptors in their brood patches, which is a featherless part of their body, and that helps them to regulate their attentiveness, the time they spent incubating. Is that where the phrase sit tight came from? You know, maybe it is. And what yeah, does, boy. how do you sit tight? Does that mean you just squeeze your buns oh, or something, or what? <laughs> I, you know, I always wanted to ask my parents when they told me that, but we'd usually reached a point where I, I shouldn't ask any more questions <laughs> when I was told this. You just sit tight, and you just meant you should probably just sit there and shut up. These, uh, it, it's pretty cool to see these. Uh, I think I know the, where the nest is, but we're not supposed to tell anybody. They don't want anybody to know, and I, uh, I don't know how I know, just seeing it. Um, a really great, uh, I spoke at a library on uh, on Sunday, and um, somebody there said, why do great horned owls have those ear tufts? Uh, they're feathered tufts. They're called plumicorns, like plum with an eye, with a plum and corns with an eye between them. Uh, they have a purpose, but you know the exact purpose is pretty much unknown. They they may be used for camouflage. Now that sounds weird. Why don't you have ear tufts for camouflage? But they help break up the outline of an owl. So if an outline, if an owl is in a tree it will make it look more like a broken branch or another natural feature of that tree. Uh, prominent ear tufts may signal good health, uh, strength, energy that will make an owl a desirable mate. And they also might be used for communication as part of courtship displays, threat postures, or to express emotions. They're like mini emoticons. Uh, the same person asked, where did the phrase for the birds come from? It, you know, I looked that up a long, long time ago, and it's, it's well, we know what for the birds. It means something's trivial, meaningless, or useless, but it was believed to be a U.S. Army slang that originated during World War II. And they think the phrase might derive from the habit of some birds, like house sparrows, to peck at ho horse droppings oh. in search of undigested seeds. So that horse exhaust is for the birds. So if somebody is <laughs> telling you for the birds, if you want to run it out and stretch it far enough, they could be calling you horse exhaust, I guess. So, wait, there's worse things to be called. Right. A, I, I, we talked about this years ago. Uh, somebody said their car gets pooped on all the time. And said, my car is a target for birds. Is it the color of the car that attracts them to use as a restroom? Probably not. It's likely the location of your car, where you park it, 
that causes it to be dropped on by droppings. So maybe there's birds in the shed or the garage where you park it, or if you park it at work, maybe you park it under a certain tree where they like to gather. So that's probably why you're getting it. However, there was a study conducted by a a retailer called Halfords, H-A-L-F-O-R-D-S, and it revealed that red vehicles made up 18% of cars that were marked by birds. Uh, blue was in second place at 14%. Green vehicles got away the cleanest, making up 1% <laughs> of those hits. So. Well, you know, the par- I was going to say it must be on a per capita because there, I don't see many green vehicles, to be honest with you. No, you really don't. You and, know, there's a, and maybe on white and silver, it's hard to see it. So maybe you just don't notice it. I don't know. That's just my theory. I, you know, I I would happily have been pooped on by some birds <laughs> instead of all that salt. True. Yeah. Uh, Gail and I were coming back from New Ulm the, the one night of one of the storms, and it was hard to keep the the ice off the windshield. And then this weekend when I took off, it was almost impossible to keep the salt off. You just had to keep running that windshield washer all the time to keep it off. And every time you'd encounter a big truck or get behind one, then it would uh, replenish it all. So it was uh, fun just trying to see the road, which, you know, is very important, I found, when you're driving to be able to see the road. took me as a teenager I didn't know that that was all that important I thought you could drive anyway (laughs) but after a while you learn somebody asked what was the first bird book oh this is the the first bird book was avian avium a-v-i-u-m and uh, I never took latin so praesiporum p-r-a-e-c-i-p-u-a-r-u-m and I know it's a terrible thing to do spell on the radio but i don't know how else to do that but it was published way back in 1544 and it was authored by william turner who was the father of british ornithology and in the book turner included his own bird observation plus the natural history writings of people like aristotle but 1544 so if you have that book in your library, that, that's a keeper right there, 1544. So people have been interested in books for as long, or birds for as long as uh, we've shared this earth together. So, I bet a book uh, that old would smell really bad and musty. That's all I can think <laughs> of. That's yeah. really <laughs> yuck. Anyway, but it'd probably worth a lot any, anyway. A, a good friend uh, gave me a book. Um, it's um, Roughing It by Mark Twain, this old book. And it's uh, put together by uh, duct tape. It's all duct tape together. So it's uh, it's a lovely book, and I appreciate And all the reading is good on it. It just it looks like a book that an old farm boy would be reading with all that duct tape. If it had a little baling twine or wire wrapped around it, uh, we would know it for sure. Uh, what bird runs the fastest? Oh, boy, we're thinking of the roadrunner, aren't we? On Emus? Oh, running wily coyote. Is it an emu? Oh. You know, boy, that's really close. An emu will hit 30 miles per hour. And how can we... Uh, Usain Bolt 
he was he's the fastest human and i think somewhere in that one of those sprints he hit 27.8 miles wow. per hour for a while that's the best a human has done as far as i know and an emu will pass that 30 miles an hour a road runner will hit 26 miles per hour so it'll be just a bolt might beat him in a short run which is no match for Wiley Coyote. He can hit 43 miles per hour. The one I saw not too far down the road here, Wild Turkey can hit 25 miles oh. an hour, but the fastest is an ostrich, and he can hit 43 miles per hour. But what's even more amazing is he can trot at 31 miles per hour for miles. Wow. Just keep going and going and going. So it, it's just an incredible thing, ostriches. And they are, um, there used to be quite a number of people around where I live raised them. And uh, they were always going to be a, one of those businesses where you were going to do well in and it didn't necessarily work out so well. You can only sell so many of those eggs. You probably know the name of that, Karen. I'm putting you on the... Uh, uh, where you carve the eggs. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, is that the, you mean the Ukrainian thing? Well, they take these big ostrich eggs, and then they use those little um, saws and things to carve scenes in oh. them. Uh, yeah. Well, all I would think was it's etching, but I don't know what it's called. I honestly yeah, don't. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> No, well, and they're really, yeah, I was putting you on. Uh, and it's not one of my hobbies, so I'm not. No. <laughs> and might... they're really beautiful if people have seen them, but you know, you can only sell so much ostrich jerky and so many of those eggs, so it kind of went out of business. But are they big? Oh my gosh. I'm a tall guy, and you walk by them, and you don't want to get in the pen with them, but you can look up <laughs> at them from the outside and say, that's that's a big bird there. You could play for the Vikings or the Timberwolves or somebody. And uh, they are they are pretty, though. They have they have the most beautiful eyelashes. Um, I just, uh, you never think of birds having eyelashes, but these guys do. If, you know, what is the biggest bird seen in Minnesota? This is a question... My own question for myself. Turkey? Uh, or, you know, turkey. No, pelican. Would, pelican. I'm just guessing. I'm trying to think. You Boy, you are good. Uh, the trumpeter swan would be uh, the heaviest, okay. and it would just edge out the wild turkey. Okay. They, they're almost the same. And the American white pelican has the longest wingspan. So there's like three biggest birds, because one is the heaviest, one has the longest wingspan, and the tallest one would be the whooping crane that's occasionally seen in the gopher state would be the tallest. So they're, uh, those are all big birds there. Uh, trumpeter swans, I stopped in Monticello uh, yesterday and saw hundreds and hundreds of um, trumpeter swans there. And uh, I, I stood there... Um, Oh, for hours watching them, and um, it was, I wish I'd, uh, I was there so long, it was really warm when I started out, when I was done, it was kind of getting cold, and I, I almost wish I'd have brought gloves along at that point, but I just, it was so much fun, or, or ear covering even, because I was standing along the water, so it was a little cooler than than normally was found yesterday, which was such a beautiful day. But trumpeter swans, there it was an orchestra, 
and it was French horns. Everybody was playing French horns, except the young trumpeters, which they were squeaking, kind of, making an odd squeaking sound. And the young trumpeters looked gray yet, have a gray look to them. But what beautiful birds. I'd watch them fly in and kind of ski along the water with those gigantic feet as they slid to a stop. There were mallards everywhere. What beautiful birds mallards are. Uh, many years ago, I led a bunch of guides from uh, Ecuador around, and that was their favorite thing to see were uh, mallards. You know, I like that, that sheen. Some birds have just like a sheen. Even the grackles have a sheen. What makes that, that cool kind of a, it's almost iridescent, and maybe that's the word I'm trying to say? It is the and, word, yeah. Okay, and mallards have that on their head. It's just really a cool, I love that look. And they're, they have those green heads, and the females are very, very pretty as well. But the the mallard males are just, uh, oh, what lovely green heads. And that's what the folks from Ecuador, I said, well, what would you like to see today? And they'd say, we'd like to see some more of those green-headed ducks. <laughs> and I said, well, that, that'll be pretty simple. So everywhere we went, there were mallards. And they, um, I appreciated their appreciation of uh, things that we might call commonplace. But you know, well, if it's not common in your area, of course, then it's extra special. Kind of, <laughs> kind of like exactly. we lived on the Apple River, our farm was on the Apple River, and everybody would talk about how cool it was to go floating or tubing down the river, and I never did it. I lived there all my, you know, more than half my, well, not quite half my life now, but, you know, it's one of those things when it's in your backyard, sometimes you just don't appreciate it. I tipped a canoe over in the Apple River in the spring of the year and found out that it was extremely cold <laughs> in the Apple River. And I was over um, in my one of the caves in southeastern Minnesota and was talking to a fellow at a cafe, and he lived, I think, a mile and a half from the cave. And I was talking about, oh, what a wonderful place to go down. And he was like 70 years old, lived there all his life, and never been in the cave. So people yeah. come from all over the country just to go down in one of those caves. And he said, I'm I'm going to have to do that one of these days. Speaking of what you have to do one of these days, I hope you all uh, find your way to the cafe where the food chain is missing a few links. As special as always, a Heimlich maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage. And now, featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. I've been noticing a good number of automobiles with only one working headlight lately. It just seems to be, I don't know if they're catching something like the flu cars <laughs> and they lose a headlight. And when I was growing up, I called such a vehicle a padiddle, P-A-D-I-D-D-L-E, padiddle. And a woman I met at a banquet at Jackpot Junction called such a half-lit vehicle a Popeye named after a one-eyed, spinach-eating cartoon character. I've heard other people tell me it's a purdiddle. <laughs> but when I was a young man, if I, uh, if a fella saw a car coming with a burned-out headlight and was the first to say padiddle, he could kiss his girlfriend or try to kiss somebody else's girlfriend, see how that works. But if she saw the padiddle first, she could punch him in his arm. And if he is riding with his buddies, he could punch one of them in the arm. And if a Volkswagen Beetle was spotted, you called Slug Bug, in reference to the Beetle's nickname, the Bug. And if you were the first to announce the car's appearance, you were rewarded with the privilege of 
punching someone in the arm. We were a violent group. (laughs) Some played the game by yelling, punch buggy. Well, get out there today. If you're driving around tonight, you will see a padiddle and be able to punch whoever you want. Uh, If you're all alone, give yourself a shot. Remember, Heartland is well worth driving past. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Uh, Thanks, everyone. I enjoyed your company, and thanks, Karen. Absolutely. Well, it's great to chat with you. We'll be back again same time, same place next week. Until then, happy bird watching. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye, Al.